0: This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast on September 8th, 2015, and we are doing the Week 1 Preview tonight. All right, Dave, I think it's finally time to watch some football this year. We're almost there. We've almost
1: made it. Yeah, we've been waiting forever, and uh, and now it is week one, which starts on Thursday, just two days from now, and uh, I'm excited. You're excited, I imagine, right?
0: Oh, of course. I can barely contain my excitement.
1: I can hear it in your voice. It's just, um, it's off the edge. This is my excited voice.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of like Tom Brady. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. There you go. Just hang out, marry a supermodel.
1: So, uh, welcome as always to the Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, where we are going to impart whatever knowledge we have to your brains, if you will allow us to. We're just also... Open your brains. ...generally drinking something good. So, tonight I have a Stone Go-To IPA. Uh, just enjoyed a whole bunch of these at a recent draft, and uh, it was a good memory, not a bad one, so I think it went okay.
0: Alright, it must have been a good draft. Uh, <laughs> I have the two brothers, Wobble, India Pale LL. Um, we also enjoyed some of these at a different draft. We've had a lot of drafts lately. And, uh, we've also got some Two Brothers Adam Smasher, which is their oak-aged Oktoberfest-style lager, for a little bit later.
1: Yep, the, the last draft that either of us had to do was actually this evening, or the Fantasy Sports Writers Association draft, and that was interesting. You know, I do hate when you do the online drafts on Yahoo, and they only give you 30 seconds or 45 seconds.
0: Yeah, it's even worse when you're still driving home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh well yeah I mean you you had a couple of issues there but you ended up drafting a pretty decent team so good luck to you
0: sure I'll I'll take it you know it's a 16 team league I've never drafted uh, that high other than like in a, a mock draft so um I you know the, all of the bench players are like maybes maybe they'll get to play you know there isn't a whole lot of depth in that league.
1: Yeah, I like deep leagues because it forces you to recognize all the talents that exist on the team uh, underneath the roster on the third team and fourth team offenses, which normally you don't have to do, let's say, in a standard 10 uh, person league that has 15 rounds in Yahoo. Everyone on the team is someone who is a star in, in the NFL. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, hey, I'm just ready for football, man. I'm too excited.
1: All right, well, let's go through some uh, some news <laughs> headlines. Uh, first thing that's just happened recently is that uh, Todd Gurley, uh, Ian Rappaport reports that he's not uh, expected to play until probably about the week four or so. Now, we're going to the, the week three game, St. Louis versus the Steelers. So it would be great if, uh, if both Bell, who's coming back that week off of injury, and yeah. Gurley also play. Bell
0: is not coming off of injury.
1: Off suspension. Off suspension. I really, you know, Todd Gurley better play.
0: I just, you know, let's send a letter to Jeff Fisher. Make sure he understands that we're making a special trip down there. We would like to see all the talent possible. Of course. Okay, so we'll, you get on the letter. I'll make sure Jeff Fisher gets it. And uh, hopefully they'll let us in the stadium.
1: Well, honestly, <laughs> it, it seems more likely that him and Arian Foster sort of pop back up into the NFL around the same time, which is probably going to be early October. Uh, or late September. So we have a chance of him playing, and you never know. Um, All of these these reports that come out are wildly different half the time between a beat writer, a guy on uh, NFL.com, you know, all all sorts of things. Um, Another report is that C.J. Spiller won't play in Week 1, which is great news for Mark Ingram. Um, That basically makes it so that he is the every down back for Week 1, Yeah, and and, uh, that should do pretty well, although they are playing against Arizona, uh, so that could uh, be a bit of an issue for him. But if you were one of those people that picked up Mark Ingram, this is the best case scenario for you, at least for this week. I think if you picked
0: up Mark Ingram, you're probably going to be starting him most weeks anyways, Um, and even if with a tough matchup, you know, go for it.
1: Well, you're a big Ingram fan.
0: I definitely was last year, and uh, I felt it was... It started because I owned him in too many leagues, probably. You know, that happens. But uh, I... You know, what I saw out of him last year
1: showed me that he can actually
0: be a, like a real
1: NFL quarter a running back. Maybe, but the problem becomes always with Ingram that the team wants him to be part of a committee, and once he becomes part of a committee, again, he's no longer a he loses
0: some of his fantasy value, absolutely. but at the same time, I don't see the committee there yet, and they did lean on him a lot when they had injuries last year.
1: Well, Sean Payton likes a guy who can move around in space. That's not really Ingram. That's C.J. Spiller. He wants a Darren Sproles on his team. He wants to use him so that it's going to happen. Um, Also, remember, Pierre Thomas is still out there as a free agent. He didn't end up being picked up by Houston when they had those issues with Arian Foster. So Pierre Thomas is still floating around, and I expect to see both him and Bradshaw on a team this year. Although, like we've always talked off the air, uh, whenever they have the veterans, they don't usually sign them until week two because... If they sign them before the season starts, then their pay is guaranteed for the whole year. Right. Otherwise, they only get paid per game. Which, you know, it's kind of and a... If they
0: play the whole year, they make the same amount, but they have to play the whole year, and that's always a big if in the NFL. Yeah,
1: it's kind of an asshole thing to do, but it makes sense from a financial perspective. It's business, perspective. and a lot of
0: people understand the, finan- the, the business approach to the NFL. Right. That that's the way it has to go if it's going to continue.
1: Uh, talking about some some other guys that have moved around. Jonas Gray was a lot of people's sleeper pick to become the Patriots' lead back. Now I know that you will say, and it's true that it's very difficult at all to be able to determine who the lead back is on the Patriots, especially because they tend to uh, rotate along with the phases of the moon. Basically,
0: yeah. I mean, the point you know, is almost Belichick's
1: been, into some witchcraft or something.
0: The point has almost been <laughs> proven here, where you know you're looking at. Uh The Patriots, and they had a guy who everyone thought had a good shot at being their number one, and then he's cut. So you can't tell what the hell's going to go on in their backfield.
1: Well, we can a little bit, at least for this first game. So in my opinion, uh what we've got going on is LeGarrette Blount is suspended for one game, right? Yes. Uh And so you've got this sort of weird committee of Deion Lewis and and James White. Uh, as like the third down receiving backs. And Brandon Bolden's their big dude. and He's the only guy that's a big dude on that team. So at least for the first week, unless they just decide to pass entirely and never give the ball to a running back, I think you're going to see Brandon Bolden get quite a few yards on the ground against the the somewhat porous Steelers defense. Yeah. So uh, that is a play that I would make if I needed to. For example, I have two leagues I have Arian Foster in. And I'm determining right now, you know, how exactly should I, uh, how should I approach that since I don't have him for the first, let's say, four weeks? You have to fill in someone who's going to be good, Right. but I don't have another number one running back. So this is when you bring in a guy like a Benny Cunningham on St. Louis that's so going to take over from Mason. D'Angelo Williams in Pittsburgh. Williams in Pittsburgh uh, or Brandon Bolden in, in the Patriots. So yep. you have to recognize these kind of situations and use them if you need to. Um, and, and your thoughts uh, going forward, I'm sure, are that Brandon Bolden's a big back, Legarrette Blunt's a big back, uh, White and Lewis could both do like the receiving role there and fill yep. in for Vereen, mm-hmm. which means that basically they'll just be on like a revolving door kind of schedule.
0: There'll be somebody there that is fantasy relevant this year, um, but it may shift. Like it has in the past where like one guy's the guy for a couple of weeks and then one guy is the guy, you know, a different guy is the guy for a couple of weeks. And you may be able to pinpoint a week here or there where it looks more likely that someone is going to have more work. But overall, you know, it's going to be very hard to tell and very hard without injuries for one person to dominate there.
1: Yep, and and it's kind of interesting right now, because there aren't as many injuries as there will be, even though there were a ton, and we talk about this every year, you look back at the preseason, you say, look at all those wide receivers that got ACLs, look at all the running backs with hammies and calf injuries and soft tissue injuries, this is terrible, it's never like this, but it's actually always like this every (laughs) single year. Um, We were talking previously about Jonas Gray, so people thought that maybe he could be the guy, well... Turns out that he's not. He was released from the Patriots, signed by the Dolphins, and it looks like he's probably got a a straight ticket to become Lamar Miller's backup because uh, in that situation, they had drafted Jay Ajayi, who was supposed to be this really cool guy, gifted running back, good receiving back, you know, Mm -hmm. to sort of be the no Sean Moreno in their offense, and now he is out for the season, right? Or is it designated to return?
0: Um, I think he's going to come back at some point.
1: No, well, it's one of the two. So he's either he's out for a while, regardless. Uh, and then Noshan Moreno, who was on the Dolphins, it looks like he might never play in the NFL again, which is pretty sad. Yeah,
0: but. so Ajayi is IR designated to return.
1: means that he can't play for the first eight games. Sure. Uh, and then Damian Williams, who's a guy you've never heard of, is the current backup. So that situation is interesting because you know the Dolphins won't allow Lamar Miller to get 25 to 30 carries a game even though it seems that every time he does, he ends up being a fantasy stud.
0: Well, you know, most of... We've talked about this before. Most of his success comes earlier in the game rather than later in the game. For some reason, he's a guy who can eat eat up those carries, but it doesn't translate into better production late in the game. It just translates to another three yards every time. Um, But that being said, if there's not really anyone behind him right now, then he's going to get a lot of work, and he's going to be... Very fantasy relevant.
1: Well, there's two guys behind him right now, which is what I was saying. Oh, yeah, Damian Williams. You too. just need to know who the backup is because that backup in the Dolphins' offense will get at least ten carries a game to you know pace uh, Lamar Miller because yeah. that's what they like to do. Yeah,
0: and that works for them.
1: Um, we're in Chicago. Let's talk a little bit about Elshon Jeffrey. So we were just talking about this earlier. We were watching uh, NFL Network as they proceeded to bombard us with uh, a big, huge. Uh, montage of, of all of the Deflategate moments and timeline.
0: Boy, isn't Deflategate tiring, guys? Let's <laughs> go through the entire thing one more time.
1: Well, this is like Tim Tebow. Every year there will be a few stories <sighs> that you hate. But see, I love them because this is the drama of the NFL. This is very much, you know, it's why people watch it and why people like it. I understand love, completely. Love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. It
0: feels almost uh, like... Like, it's made up like wrestling or something at this point. Because it's like the big evil villain in Roger Goodell is picking on Tom Brady. But, like, you know, who the
1: hell knows what really is going on? And he's like golf buddies with Robert Kraft.
0: I mean, nobody knows what really, like, happens at all these meetings and stuff. They're
1: probably just laughing. I mean, those those guys make, like, over, uh, what, over $100 million a year, most of them. Goodell being the puppet master, or not Goodell puppet makes master. makes like $40 million a year. $44 million a year. Brady,
0: right? who knows? I mean, he's in a bunch of commercials. He makes
1: all the money. Brady does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so John Fox, who's the new coach of the Bears, uh, is like this um, kind of... Um, maybe some other coaches that do the same thing with injuries. It's kind of a black who hole. Don't say anything. Belichick is kind of like that. Belichick
0: is definitely like that. Jeff Fisher in St. Louis is kind of like that. They're being really... Uh, not telling us much about Mason and Gurley, mm. although it's kind of basically come out now that it, Gurley's not going to be starting. At least we got that far,
1: right? But most coaches are like that. Lovey Smith was really like that too. So, so we get it again here, and we didn't have it for a while with Tressman, but Tressman didn't know what he was doing. So I suppose that's, you know, besides the point. Yeah. Um. So you got John he Fox really knew what he was doing one year. I mean, he he sort of knew what he was doing that year. He's not a head coach, right? So uh, so, look out in
0: Baltimore this year where they have Tressman as their O.C.
1: Yeah, because they have all the receivers over there. Alshon <laughs> uh, Jeffrey looks like he is going to play for the Packers, right? But for a while, mm-hmm. I mean not for the Packers. For the Bears. Against the Packers. Against the Packers. If you, that would be much bigger news if he was going to play for the Packers.
0: Well, that would be a good replacement for Jordy Nelson. <laughs> and who do the Bears get?
1: Like James Jones? Uh,
0: if the Bears got like um, Clay Matthews, I would... Live with, I could live with that.
1: So they'd be back to or their... B.J.
0: Raji or Aaron Rodgers.
1: Their average quarterback with no receivers. I would uh, take
0: Aaron Rodgers. They'd be fine
1: with me. It's, that's an even trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whatever backup they
0: have is going to be better than whoever the Bears start
1: anyways. Well, for the Bears to have any chance at being the Packers, they need to have Alshon Jeffries. What if Aaron Rodgers
0: somehow got traded to the
1: Bears and he was just
0: terrible?
1: This is Like a... through
0: interceptions all the time. Just became Rex Grossman and Jay Cutler combined.
1: Well, I think that these players are a product of the system, um, not not as much as they are talented, but definitely a large portion of it.
0: Yeah, the system has a lot to do with it, and the Green Bay system is excellent.
1: And nobody's calling, those quarterbacks aren't calling their own plays. We talked about this before, like, Peyton Manning calls his own plays. A lot of people think that he doesn't. He doesn't call his own plays. He could do an audible sometimes that are part of a list. They have he, like
0: two, maybe three plays that they can call at the at the line. That's but that's it. an audible. It's not right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: He is not up there like reading defenses and calling whatever play it's, he it, wants.
0: It's impractical to, you know, call whatever play you want when you get up to the line because there's no way for your team to know what you're talking about. Yeah. He just shouts Omaha a lot. Like it doesn't mean anything to them.
1: Because Peyton knows what he wants to do in his head, but nobody else. He can't translate that. You know. Right.
0: <laughs> Peyton's genius is beyond most football players.
1: So uh, so how about Hakeem Nix? He's working out for the Saints. Obviously didn't work out for the last team that he was on.
0: Yeah, he is not on Tennessee anymore, so um, that experiment lasted a preseason. Uh, Hakeem Nix has not been around very much lately. He didn't really get a whole lot of time in last year, I don't think, with Indianapolis.
1: So do him and Victor Cruz both get to join after this year? The wide receiver corps from the Giants who will never play football again?
0: What does that mean for Odell Beckham Jr.?
1: It just means he's going to get more targets.
0: Okay, so like he's not going to get caught in this trap.
1: Well, he might because Hakeem Nix had a really big year on in the, in the Giants, then proceeded to do nothing. Right. Victor Cruz had two really big years on the Giants, yeah. and then proceeded to do nothing. Maybe Beckham gets three years because the fantasy gods have smiled upon him. Right, I don't him. Have,
0: him in, I have him in a couple of leagues this year, but no <laughs> dynasty.
1: Um, Tevin Coleman, uh, who is a rookie running back, is now the number one running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, before it was kind of a muddled mix with uh, Devonte Freeman, and it seems like he's not completely uh, recovered from his injury. So, Coleman, being the, the main guy there, should get a bunch of work to prove himself as the number one guy for the rest of the season. And uh, people seem to like him. It looks like he did a good job during the preseason. I don't know that much background information from him, you know, from college, etc., except that. Uh, he is a guy that's looked at as uh, as being uh, having all the aspects of a lead running back. So if you were smart enough to pick this guy up earlier in the year, um, in your drafts, before uh, this was actually announced, then you get a lot of value assuming he keeps the job. Assuming. Well, look, a guy like Steven Jackson, uh, who was just sort of plotting at the end of his career, but still produced pretty well because the Falcons can move the ball.
0: Right, and, you know... The home run hitter is gone in anton Smith, and Tev- or uh, Devonta Freeman is a little banged up. So, I would start him in the week one, really.
1: Yeah. Uh, Play in
0: Philadelphia. Philadelphia is not going to have like the best defense. N-
1: well, mm-hmm. hey, their defense is not that bad, actually. They're going to score a lot of points on
0: offense and like allow stuff on defense.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll be more playing like prevent in some situations. Uh, so, we talked a little bit about Trey Mason. He's going to be a game-time decision... For week one, that means that the third guy, Benny Cunningham, who is a competent receiving back and can also play the big back role, is going to be the three down guy, assuming Trey Mason doesn't suit up. Uh, And if he doesn't, then that, to me, makes a pretty good case for Benny Cunningham as a number one running back on your team. If you ended up drafting running backs late, you got to keep in mind, though, that they are playing against the Seahawks. And just because of that, there will probably be a little bit of a pushback.
0: Yeah, that's definitely going to uh, cost them in the rankings.
1: Uh, Arian Foster could return in four weeks. Uh, the reports keep kind of wiffle waffling. I've, I've read a whole lot of waffling. I've read a whole lot of like very specific stuff about his injury, this uh, groin injury that he had and had surgery for. Uh, apparently, usually it takes about four to six weeks to get over. And uh, if you go all the way to week four, then I believe that would be something like eight or nine weeks that he was out in total. So it seems to me to be sort of a safe and conservative estimate for those who own him or are interested in him uh, that he will start in week five. Um, that makes sense to me. Now, yeah. they're also saying Although that...
0: They're, they, have, they play week five and then they're on bye, right? Or is it nine for them?
1: No. it's okay. Yeah. So he, week five and week six are still games for Houston. Okay, okay. Week five is a Thursday night game. Oh, Okay. Uh, so maybe
0: well, they'd be fine to bring him back from a short week, because it's not a short week for him, because it'd be his first game. Fantasy football news coming oh, up. that's a big party foul by me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink
1: for that one. You gotta install the the ad blockers on all of your browsers. Oh, trust
0: me, I have plenty of ad blockers on here. And I went to Fantasy Football Toolbox, a website that typically doesn't
1: have that crap. They're seeping through. So for those of you who's the first time listening to the show, this is uh, the uh, Fantasy Football Podcast on the Drink Five Network with myself and Jason. Uh, We do this every Tuesday night. And uh, we're doing a week one preview tonight. If you want to check out our preseason rankings... You can go to the website at drinkfive.com, check them out there, or on Fantasy Pros. Uh, we're also in the process of posting our Week 1 rankings, which will be up tomorrow, and you can look at those uh, to to decide who you want to start. Another cool feature this year is that on the right sidebar of our website, you can actually click on any position that you're interested in while you're inside an article, uh, and you can go ahead and compare multiple players. So you say, uh, I wonder what, what Dave and Jason think about... Uh, Cecil Shorts versus, um, let's say, I don't know, pick me out another receiver.
0: Cecil Shorts versus Larry Fitzgerald.
1: Okay. Uh, So you plug them both in, and it'll tell you exactly what we think about those guys and who you should start uh, and who you should sit. So do check that out during the season. That'll be live tomorrow once we post the rankings. And uh, to all of those people that are listening in the chat room, feel free to post some questions or or, uh, join in the conversation, of course. If you're listening, um, you know, in, in post. Well then, in the
0: future sometime.
1: Thank you very much. You can get at us, uh, Jason at Drink5.com or David Drink5.com, and we'll be able to answer any questions that Tweet you have. Tweet us
0: at Drink5. It's and, a good place.
1: And Facebook.com slash Drink5 Network. All right, so enough of that uh, promotion. It <laughs> so, yeah,
0: makes me thirsty.
1: So uh, there's been a lot of headlines. There's been a lot of news. We went over some of it, but you have to be paying attention, you know, in order to do pretty well in your league. So we're not going to do any more than, like, the last week, basically. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question. We have a question already, yeah. Yeah, a question here from the chat room, which is uh, start to Frank Gore, Latavius Murray, and Chris Ivory. Okay, so the Let me get the
0: matchups for you.
1: The big question here is going to be... Uh, do you always start Gore? And I think the answer is yes on the Indianapolis Colts, regardless well, of who they play against.
0: The Colts are playing the Bills, and honestly, out of that three, uh, you know, even without looking at the matchups, Gore is kind of the one I want to sit.
1: Well, I wouldn't do that. I would sit Latavius Murray until he actually proves himself as a running back because he has not done that to me, uh, for me just yet.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. I just don't like Frank Gore, I guess. Uh, the Jets, you know, Chris Ivory plays the Browns, and then uh, the... Uh, Raiders play the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: So what I would do is start Gore and um, and Ivory and sit Murray until he proves himself. I think what Jason wants to do is like Latavius Murray very much. I,
0: I would I I want to I want him to do well. <laughs> <laughs> I already like the guy. I just want him to do well. I personally would start Murray over Gore, but that's because I'm not a Frank Gore fan. But he is on the Colts. You know, if you're starting him anyway, you're starting him anyways, and then pick uh, Chris Ivory. It's difficult. Is a
1: unanimous number two, at least. It's difficult to not be a Frank Gore fan. You know, like, I, I never really liked him, but I just look, sit there and look at his stats and how many touchdowns and, and you know... Oh, I respect that he's good. So, uh, he's moving to a better team. I just team. don't like
0: starting him in fantasy football. Uh-huh. It
1: never goes well for me. Oh, well, fair enough. Uh, so so I do uh, I do agree with you. Now, I think for the Raiders, for example, that they're going to lose to the Bengals, and because of that, and because of any game where the Raiders are losing, they're going to put Halo in more than Murray to play the catch-up game. So I, I do feel a little uh, bad about that matchup. Although, heck, I mean, we don't really know the Raiders this year. The Raiders with Carr and Cooper and Crabtree could end up beating the Bengals, especially because the Bengals were not all that fantastic last year.
0: I mean, the Bengals did make the playoffs, but the Bengals seem to be pointed down. The Raiders seem to be pointed up. The game is in Oakland. It's the first game. I can totally see the Raiders winning that
1: game. No, I disagree with you when you say the Bengals are, are a downward-facing team. Uh, I think their guys are all good. None of them are old. You know
0: they're, what? They are like having going into the second year of Jeremy Hill.
1: Yeah, that's really going to be good. They should be. They should be good. But the, Dalton can screw it up at any time. I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's really good at that. Yeah,
1: Jeremy Hill, our number three. Running back this week, just a little
0: preview of our rankings.
1: Hmm. Uh, So speaking of some games, let's talk about Steelers and Patriots game, which airs on Thursday night. And uh, what are the reasons why you're excited about this particular game? Is it because of, of the explosiveness of those offenses? Is it because you just really wanted to watch football because you haven't had it on for a long time? Is it because you're really interested in hearing what the announcers have to say about Deflategate?
0: <laughs> I can't wait to hear more people talk about Deflategate. Um, I can't wait for there to be football you know, after all of that crap so that we can have football to talk about instead. But uh, obviously this is two high-powered offenses, um, New England being high-powered just by the fact that they have Brady and Gronkowski. But uh, I can't wait to see the Steelers this year. Um, I think that they're going to have the best offense in the league, possibly. They have a really good shot at making that. And this is both a game I'm just excited because it is a game, and I'm excited because of the two teams that are playing. Because we're going to have plenty of games during the year where the matchup is not nearly as marquee as this one.
1: Yep, and one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight are some of the guys that are a little under the radar. So on the Steelers-Patriots matchup, on those, that side of things, we, we brought up earlier D'Angelo Williams, who is an aging running back but has a little burst, and he didn't have a whole lot of mileage on his wheels because he was always splitting with Jonathan Stewart in Carolina. Now he's backing up Le'Veon Bell, and since Bell won't be there for four weeks, he's the clear running back lead. The Bell other won't be there for two weeks. Two weeks. Sorry, the the other uh, backup there is Dree Archer, who's a really small running back who's super fast, little may, tiny running back, maybe the fastest in the league, but is an unable to to present. Uh, you know, a, a very uh, he's not able to to run uh, over and over again. He can just like go in occasionally and be sort of a gadget guy. And they got another running back that just got injured for the rest of the season. So what did the Steelers have to do? They had to take a uh, tight end off of their squad and turn him into a halfback running back just to have one more person to, to back up D'Angelo Williams. And uh, I think they picked up Jordan Todman as well. So we'll see what happens there. All I do know is that D'Angelo Williams will monopolize the carries. Yes, Roethlisberger will throw the ball a lot, but that's what he's been doing to begin with. So don't be surprised. He threw the ball
0: a lot last year.
1: Yeah. Don't be surprised if Williams ends up being a low-end running back one for both weeks that Bell is out.
0: Oh, I totally see that. In fact, I drafted him specifically because I knew he'd be worth starting in the first two weeks. Yep. You know, It's going to be a really good setup for him. And the Patriots defense, they'd lost Vince Wilfork, so their running defense is not going to be as good.
1: Nope, and, uh, and they lost a lot of guys from their secondary as well, although they keep talking up the new guys. They're not as good as the old ones, Revis and Cromartie. That is right. obvious, which yeah, means there's that there's a few guys
0: in the league as good as them.
1: Their defense in general has gone down a couple of, of notches. Um, on the Steelers as well as Marcus Wheaton. Marcus Wheaton is a guy that was a breakout candidate last year, but Martavis Bryant ended up taking all of the glory there. Uh, there was some issues with Roethlisberger and Wheaton getting on the same page. Now, Wheaton took over 50% of the snaps, even with Martavis Bryant having a lot of success, which tells me, one that the Steelers want to use him a lot as a possession receiver, and and they're not going to stop doing that. And two, Martavis Bryant is not available for the first four weeks of the season, which means that Marcus Wheaton will play every snap as a number two wide receiver. And just because of that, just because of that, in and of itself, Marcus Wheaton is now a wide receiver three for the first four weeks. I see it that way, too. I was surprised that his ADP
0: and his ranking was always so low, and I mean, I know it comes up lower in ours, and that's maybe more of a product of our formula, but um, this guy should be higher based on the position that he's being put in.
1: Well, and and we do rankings. Rankings are different from projections. If you're you're projecting someone going forward, you have to put in arbitrary information like, this guy will do really well. But if you're doing that, then what that means is... You're just predicting. Is you're predicting... In a
0: much less reliable fashion.
1: Right. So... Uh, I think it's obvious based on our rankings, which have Wheaton down there in like the 50s, for example, that based on his past play and performance, he's not someone that you want to start. We are doing the job that we should be doing, saying that you should start him because uh, even though he, his past performance and play was not spectacular, he's getting about 200% of, uh, of more of a shot for these first four games. Yeah. So he should probably be twice as good as he was. Does that make sense to you?
0: I mean, sometimes you can just say yes. They're twice <laughs> as good. I look. I see in a very I simplistic a
1: lot. in a simplistic you know world. Yeah. So he's probably going to be twice as good as he was last year for these games. And then when Brand comes back in, assuming he doesn't fail six more drug tests because he's an idiot, um, <laughs> then he's going to go back to his regular role, maybe slightly better, but still a wide receiver four or five, and not in your starting lineup. Yeah, um, and then we also have one of my favorites this year, which is Danny Amendola. At least to start the year, you remember when Amendola was uh, was originally taken uh, from St. Louis to the Patriots, and everyone he blew up, and he was like a third or fourth round pick.
0: Yeah, he was very
1: hyped, and then he got injured
0: many times.
1: Okay, so <laughs> so who's injured on the Patriots right now? Well, Brandon LaFell is injured and probably won't be coming back for quite a He's while. He's
0: on the pup, which is going to be a
1: while. Edelman is injured, and we have no news about that whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's true. The only yes. the only receiver there Edelman may or may not
0: be injured. I would say
1: the only receivers there right now that are healthy are Danny Amendola and Aaron Dobson. Aaron Dobson. So that means that regardless of what you feel about Amendola, for example, he is a PPR stud who will probably get seven or eight targets a game until the other guys are at are. least healthy. Yeah,
0: that's definitely true. And in, certainly this week, if uh, the Steelers plan on focusing on Gronkowski as much as they said they will,
1: right? Well, they have to because if if they don't focus right. if, on Gronk, he's just gonna march right down the field.
0: Exactly. Like they don't have another weapon to step up and you know, beat them yeah. other than Brady.
1: Um, another question from the chat room. Yeah. Would you consider starting John Brown over Andre Johnson given the matchups and given that Michael Floyd may not play?
0: So John Brown, uh, on the Cardinals is gonna be playing the Saints uh at three oh five and Andre Johnson on the Colts is going to be playing the Bills now. Um, Michael Floyd, I don't see any like solid indications that he's not going to play, um, but John Brown is becoming one of Carson Palmer's you know favorite targets. Um, so I, I don't know enough about Andre Johnson's status with Andrew Luck right now. Has it worked out so far?
1: He's been awesome. Okay. And, I mean, you got to think, Andre Johnson is one of those big stud receivers that now has the best quarterback he's ever had. So he's not going to be anything but awesome. Yeah. But the Bills are a good defense, and he is just getting his footing with that team. Um, I, would, I would always start Andre Johnson. This is week one of the 2015 season, and I would not get off on the wrong foot by starting a sleeper. However, uh, I don't know that
0: John Brown is a sleeper anymore. He's probably the number two receiver in that offense, like solidified.
1: Uh no it's isn't it Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd and then John Brown is number three I think John Brown's kind of passed Michael Floyd well maybe
0: not officially yet but
1: be that as it may is the the Arians offense is sort of like pass the ball all over the place kind of like yes, the Saints used to be definitely so I'm saying John Brown big play guy there's room right. for
0: all three guys if they're all healthy
1: I'm not against and they're that. going right and the Saints have a really bad passing defense at least they did last year they gave up I think. Uh, 4,000-plus uh, yards over the season, uh, 251 yards per game. So they were the, let's see, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth worst uh, passing defense in the NFL last year. So, uh, you know, that that is a very intriguing prospect, especially they give considering... A lot.
0: They give up even more fantasy points to the wide receivers.
1: Considering that Buffalo is the third best passing defense, and Andre Johnson's the number two, not the number one, Maybe I would start John Brown. I think uh, perhaps you've swayed me in that direction.
0: I like John Brown here. Um, and it's, yeah, like we said, not against the greatest uh, defense.
1: I think last year maybe it would have been a little bit more of an unpredictable kind of a call uh, to, to pit those two together. Mm-hmm. But I guess John Brown has sort of made a, a role for himself. And, heck, Floyd uh, doesn't have any fingers, right? Is that the guy?
0: Michael Floyd has no fingers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I mean, it sucks too, doesn't it? Floyd, fingers. Michael Floyd, one of those guys that has he all of the talents them. in the world, but then uh, just doesn't seem to uh, stand up under scrutiny.
0: I wonder where they wound up if he dislocated them.
1: Yeah. Were they like on his palm? I, they don't actually be, get removed from the hand.
0: They would just move a little bit. Uh, <laughs> just travel a few inches down to the palm.
1: Well, speaking of that, let's talk about the Colts first, the Bills. So the Colts added Andre Johnson and Frank Gore. Now, what that tells us, right, because they had sort of a young team around them before. They got rid of Reggie Wayne, and they added these two big veterans, and they added them for one reason. What is that reason, Jason? Because they're going to win a damn Super Bowl. They're going to the Super Bowl. That is what they all think. That's what all of Indianapolis thinks. And I find it hard to disagree with them with all the talent that's available on that team. Yeah. The only real problem is that their defense is not that great. Um, and that's going to be a problem that that a lot of teams have to deal with, like the Steelers, uh, a lot of these high powered offenses.
0: Well, n- n- Seattle may be the only team with a really good offense and a high powered defense. Well, they didn't need to. Seattle and, have... and Denver may be like the two most balanced teams in that aspect. Um, and it feels like it's 2013 right now. But uh, everyone else who has a really good offense doesn't really have a defense to back it up. Yeah, right. the
1: Cowboys also, you know, yeah, fit that requirement. The Cowboys,
0: the Eagles, like they're all the. Packers, Mm -hmm. the Falcons, if you will.
1: Well, so the Bills uh, have almost the best defense, if not the best defense, at least according to our rankings, they do for the entire season. That means that you've got one of the best offenses in the league versus one of the best defenses in the league, which is always a fun matchup for me to watch.
0: Yes, that'll be a really fun noon game.
1: Yep. And uh, they also have a pretty fun offense. Um, They've got Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy... Percy Harvin, and Tyrod Taylor under center. Tyrod Taylor is not a new quarterback, okay? Right. But he's new to the team. He's and new he's, to the starter role. And he's new to starting in the NFL. He's a guy who was uh, who was backing up Joe Flacco in Baltimore for a long time.
0: Five years, I think.
1: And when these guys back up players for a long time without having being thrust, uh, been thrusted into a starting role, I feel like sometimes they perform better. Absolutely. There would be his first game will be much better than a rookie's first game. Yep. That said, I I do think the Colts defense is a good play in this game because I think it's always good to play uh, a defense versus a guy who is not a professional NFL starter. (laughs) He's going to make mistakes. They're going to capitalize on them and that's going to be fantastic. Uh, But that's a spot start for sure. Uh, Guys that are under the radar here, uh, Dwayne Allen, who could easily turn out to be one of the best tight ends in the game. But that is definitely a uh, you know a toss-up. Yeah. Um, Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett, who are guys on the Colts who are behind Andre Johnson and T. Y. Hilton, uh, both guys that are young and good, and our rookie expert uh, Sean Foss has recommended both of them to be owned in deeper leagues and dynasty leagues. But they haven't yet really done uh, what they need to to be redraftable.
0: Very true. And plus, they've got T. Y. Uh, yeah. T.Y. and Andre Johnson ahead of them.
1: Sure. Um, Tyrod Taylor from the Buffalo Bills could easily turn into something very impressive because he's a rushing quarterback. A lot of places I've gone to see uh, how people are projecting quarterbacks have him maybe going third or fourth overall in rushing yards, just behind guys like Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. So... It's always good, especially, well, in any league, really, mm-hmm. uh, that rewards rushing yards for a quarterback, which is every league i Everyone, I'm in. yeah,
0: every league would.
1: That makes a guy who would otherwise be decent awesome. It raises the floor immediately in a, in a significant way. And they have Sammy Watkins, who could be one of the best receivers in the NFL down the road, but doesn't have a quarterback. Could this be what the Bills need? I'm not really sure. Uh, Carlos Williams is a guy you probably haven't heard of. Jason and I have heard of a lot of these guys having, you know, reached into the depths of the of the uh, NFL. I read roto world in my sleep now. <laughs> uh, but he's a guy who's going to be backing up LaShawn McCoy, and that means he's going to get some uh, access out there on the field because Bryce Brown is not going to be out there. And it also means that if he gets injured, then Carlos Williams suddenly becomes a valuable commodity. So a great handcuff. And then Charles Clay, who's my one of my favorite guys in the NFL right now. He's a the guy they, they got from the Dolphins. They paid him a huge amount of money. Do you remember how much money they gave him? It's several million, I know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's literally he got like a, a... decent contract. It's a big boy deal.
0: It's, he's, he's a tight end, technically, but he plays out of the backfield a whole lot, uh, almost like a fullback, and catches a lot of passes.
1: Yeah, and they, they want him to be like uh, like the old-school halfback position where he sort of plays all over the place. He lines up and catches passes. He runs the ball sometimes. That means that Charles Clay could be touching the ball you know, upwards of 10 times per game.
0: This guy could be a fun gadgety player to compliment, like Percy Harvin, who's going to be the explosive gadgety, but maybe just regular wide receiver at times guy. Um, so I think that with a good quarterback, if Tyrod Taylor uh, is up to the task, and by all accounts, it seems like he's played well the whole preseason throughout camp. Because very early in camp, there was whispers of, well, hey, this guy Tyron Taylor might end up taking the job. He's been playing so well.
1: Yeah, he's pretty impressive.
0: So, you know, this offense has a lot of talent on it now. They have a really good defense. Uh, they could be a sneaky playoff team.
1: Yeah, I think so. We were just listening earlier to a show that was saying that uh, the prediction was that all of the teams in the AFC East would be over five hundred for the first time in history. Interesting. Because They're all excellent. There's good teams there. There yeah. absolutely are. Uh, and speaking of another one, we've got the uh, Jets, who are playing the Browns again on noon on Sunday. And uh, you would think, when you think about that matchup, the Jets versus the Browns, that it's not very exciting, right?
0: It made me yawn. I won't <laughs> lie.
1: And and the Browns, yes, granted, they they are not very exciting. Josh McCown is not very exciting. Even Johnny Manziel, who was somewhat exciting when he was first drafted, is no longer exciting at all. Because he sits on the sideline. Dwayne Bowe, who's a guy that could have been their number one wide receiver there, is now apparently the third string wide receiver and was on the roster bubble. <laughs> that's how unexciting Dwayne Bowe is. Oh, boy. Brian Hartline is their most exciting receiver, and he is not exciting.
0: He is very vanilla, and that's <laughs> you know not just a comment on him.
1: But see, the Jets are kind of exciting because they've got Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall and Chris Ivory, and those are guys who are exciting to me. They can actually make plays, make things happen. Um, it would have been cool if Jason Morrow was there at a tight end who had sort of an arrow pointing up, right? Unfortunately for him, uh, he is out for the season, and so they're back to uh, just sort of blocking tight ends that they had before. That's not going to help them on the offense at all. Um, Browns versus the Jets. I think we could both say that we expect the Jets to win this game. I would definitely expect the Jets to win this game. And they could score some some good points, but the Browns do have a decent defense that's really the only thing they have going for them.
0: Yeah. I mean Barkevius Mingo.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh I'm we, ch- we chatted about Brian Hartline, he could be a good PPR receiver. That's about it for their offense. Um, maybe Duke Johnson, who's currently, I think, in the concussion protocol, ends up taking the control over that backfield, especially now that Terrence West went to Tennessee. So his only real competition is Isaiah Crowell, who didn't do that well last year. So look for Duke Johnson to maybe be the mediocre running back in, in, of the, the future. Of the future in, <laughs> in Cleveland. Exactly. Um, the Panthers versus the Jaguars. Do uh, you want to chat about that one at all? Uh, so... Of course, all the Panthers are going to talk about at the beginning of the year is
0: not having Kelvin Benjamin, right? He was such a big, good player last year. He tore his ACL in the preseason, uh, so they have to go with Devin Funches, who has been banged up through the preseason. They've got Jonathan Stewart running the ball. They've got Greg Olson at least, uh, so they do have somebody to catch the ball. But they don't have a ton of wide receivers, uh, you know, to benefit them in this game. Right. I don't even expect Devin Funches to come around and. For a couple weeks, because he's a rookie. Rookies may do well in their first year, but they usually don't do well right away.
1: Yeah, and a guy like Kelvin Benjamin was a surprise, and he was a, a big guy that they drafted high. Uh, Funchess was not the same. He was never supposed to be the same.
0: Yeah, so I think the Jaguars could uh, pull out a little home upset, kind of like uh, the um, Bills beating the Colts, maybe sort of thing. Um, so not you know anything that's for sure at all, but I can see the Jaguars winning this game because they have an improved offense. They've got TJ Yeldon now. Um, They've sort of figured out what they want to do at wide receiver, and Blake Bortles is in his second year. He's looked much better in the preseason than he looked last year.
1: I like the Jaguars. They're going to be a fun team to watch. You're absolutely right. And going up against a team like the Panthers that generally step on their own toes all the time. Um, at least Cam Newton's not crying on the bench. You know he's getting a little bit better.
0: Right. He's uh, he's gonna play uh, play well. I would assume because I don't know Cam Newton's. I don't think gonna stay in the middle. He's
1: either gonna take a dive like RG three or he's gonna get better. Well, I yeah. told you before and we talked about this because we had a little bet about whether or not he'll be in the top ten or outside the top ten. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't have Kelvin Benjamin, Cam Newton was a better quarterback. Uh, as far as fantasy-wise.
0: Yeah, because he had to run the ball himself more.
1: Yeah, it had to go back to him. So it's like, okay, you've got Greg Olson, one of your running backs, and you, and that's all you are. You don't have receivers to throw the ball to and split the field and take the defense. Right. So that might be what he's back to again. I agree with you. He's either going to tank this year or get injured because he has to rush too much, or he'll be a top-10 quarterback. All right. That's interesting.
0: Uh, Under the radar, guys, uh... You got listed here, Cameron Artis-Payne, he's the rookie um, for the Panthers, right?
1: Yeah, so Jonathan Stewart. <laughs> i hate to get the team wrong. Jonathan Stewart is their lead running back, and they don't have the D'Angelo Williams. And how many times has Jonathan Stewart gotten injured in the season? All of them. Pretty much every time. So I expect Cameron Artis-Payne to go in at some point. Hopefully, for Stewart's sake, it's not early in the season, and he has a chance to impress and, and you know, be out there. But I do expect him to not only fill in and phase him out a little bit, but uh also to take over at some point when he's out for a game or two.
0: Oh absolutely. Uh T J. Yeldon in Jacksonville has been named the starter there. So he's gonna be getting all the early down work. I still would expect Denard Robinson to get a lot of third down work there and maybe uh, you know, a, a series in the second quarter in the late third quarter, something like that. Mm hmm. Uh Alan Hearns at wide receiver, um He's not the number one guy there. Who's the number one? Is it going to be... Uh, Allen Robinson, Robinson.
1: Is, is a breakout candidate wide receiver this these year.
0: teams with similar names. And
1: Allen and Allen are the guys because Marquise Lee, who had all the talent in the world and has huge metrics, is apparently just like not healthy, not able to practice, and it's it's too bad. But regardless, it's going to be Allen and Allen. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, they have Julius Thomas, who could be an outstanding tight end, but because of more finger problems... Uh, he doesn't have any fingers either. Yeah, so he's gonna be out for the first like six weeks of the season.
0: Yep, they have to sew him back on. Wait for him to grow back.
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't work for Jason Pierre-Paul though. I don't think, right?
0: No, not if you blow
1: them off. No, they're they're gone forever at that point.
0: <laughs> uh, so the Packers and the Bears are playing on Sunday at noon, and um, I, you know, will tell you guys all the secret about why the Bears are gonna win this game.
1: What's the secret? The
0: secret is that. Uh, the Bears hid Alshon Jeffrey's injury details so well that the Packers will just be flabbergasted when whatever ends up happening happens.
1: That's not going to happen. And right. they
0: won't be able to win. They won't even be able to play.
1: You know what I find funny, this little anecdote, and I know it's because we're in the Bears market, but everyone over here in Chicago got all fired up because uh, because Mike McCarthy from the Packers made some comment at like a, a rally that they were going to kick the Bears' ass. I oh, mean, wow. did they not expect the coaches to say that kind of stuff? Right? Like he had to apologize. How dare how dare he say that? Why would you apologize for trying to rile up your team?
0: Do you know the very first thing that Lovey Smith said when he became coach? He said, "The first thing I'm going to do is beat the Packers." Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it goes when you play sports.
1: He did beat the Packers, which is, is cool. He
0: did do a good job at beating the Packers. Yeah. He shouldn't have made his third priority winning the Super Bowl.
1: Right. It should have been the first priority there. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe. So I don't I don't see a reality, I mean, let's be honest, where the Bears beat the Packers in this week one game because they're rebuilding.
0: I see a drunk Chicago fan uh, running over Aaron Rodgers on Saturday night, maybe.
1: Uh that's a terrible thing to even say. It's terrible. Just like
0: breaking his leg,
1: dude. Just like
0: a broken leg.
1: <laughs> See, you don't want that though. You you were a Bears fan, and now I oh, feel I like have
0: Aaron Rodgers in my dynasty. You're more of a, I do not you're probably that. more of an really Aaron Rodgers
1: fan than you are a Bears fan at this oh, pro- point. Oh yeah. <laughs> on Sunday,
0: when the fucking game is on, I'm gonna be rooting for Aaron Rodgers every
1: time he. Ends oh, up. that's so sad, man. It's I really so don't sad. care. If you had Tom Brady, you would be rooting for him this week. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. <laughs> I know I wouldn't. <laughs> Look, it, it is certainly possible for a, a quarterback to do well and not beat your favorite team. Sure. Um, but the thing that I guess you have to realize when you're a uh, a fan of fantasy football and of the league and of specific teams is that what whatever you root for is not going to change what actually happens. This is true in the game, unless you're at the game and you have like. Uh, you know, a little catapult or or something like a slingshot, and you're actually <laughs> you're actually physically changing like what is happening on the field. You can like intercept the ball on the way
0: through the uh, uprights to kick a field goal. Well, whatever's happening, stop there. it from happening.
1: At home, when you're yelling at your TV, you are not influencing the game. So I, I at least know that that me having drafted Tom Maybe Brady, you're not influencing the game, Dave. You are. Other people are. Okay. Me, me having drafted Tom Brady, which I didn't, I don't think anywhere. Do you uh, have
0: any? Uh, you have some Patriots, I, although not this week. I know you drafted Blunt tonight, but uh, I have one. I have are...
1: one Patriot in nine leagues, and it's Blunt. Yeah,
0: see, I have Gronkowski in a couple of leagues, and that's about <laughs> it.
1: You know, I it's funny because the Patriots are a winning team, but you can't really decide which one of them is going to do well at which point. So that's Unless why.
0: Unless they're named Tom or Rob,
1: I decide to not take them <laughs> in general. Well, most of the year we didn't know if Patriot was going to... Uh, or, or Julian. If Brady was going to get out of this solid. or not. He has some when kind he's of back. mystery injury. When he's,
0: when he's when we've seen something. Although, really, if you drafted him, you're probably... If he plays this week, you're going to play him, right?
1: You're going to start him? Sure, but I, but I can't draft anyone in a league that has some kind of mystery injury that they don't tell me anything about.
0: I, it's Okay, I totally agree. And well, we don't like, have to worry about that anymore. We're done with all of our countless drafts
1: when we first started drafting Brandon LaFell was going super high and now he's like not being drafted
0: well he's had an injury since then he's on the pup list
1: I know but they don't tell you anything about it it's terrible man it's terrible well they just they're able to just say
0: all right he'll be back in six to eight weeks yeah and then we'll tell you what was wrong
1: well okay so so Packers receiver situation obviously down one Jordy Nelson they have Randall Cobb and Devonta Adams Uh, Adams should get more uh, more work than he had last year but I still don't think he's going to step up to be like an amazing no receiver. No way he make No way he replaces Jordy Nelson. So because of that, people were talking about Ty Montgomery or Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis is really interesting. Even though James Jones came in from the Giants, I still think Jeff Janis has the prospect of being uh, maybe a top fifteen receiver at the end of the year. And the reason I say that is because his measurables are just like Nelson, but better. He's faster, taller, stronger, um, wider, and He's he uh, smarter? I don't know. Let's assume. Okay. But but basically, that's what Jordy Nelson was, kind of like a, a streaming guy on the outside that, that was always running the is right routes even more for down-home country? I mean, you look at him. <laughs> a little bit. That's what they draft up there in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, so I think that he's a really good flyer in deep leagues because I still think they might go to him. But in the meantime, at least early in the season, it's really just going to be James Jones, I think, that Rodgers is comfortable with. I mean, look, he just got signed and he's already the number three. And those wishes of of people that that pulled in Janice and Montgomery, well, those are just kind of disappearing because James Jones has stepped right back into the role that he was in for so many years.
0: And, I mean, it's only been a week or so, but, look, it's going to... They're going to have a really good time, like, right away. It's Um, going to work
1: out. Richard Rodgers is the tight end there that, because Corliss got injured, is probably going to have a pretty good year. The problem with that is that we we talk about um, all the time, you know, Aaron Rodgers has all these yards to go throw around, and they have to go somewhere, right? Yeah, they will. And so they should go to a tight end. And, And we talked about it when Jermichael Finley was their tight end and had a decent year. But he never was a standout, like a real standout tight end. Not really. Um, even when they had this big, huge pass-catching tight end in Jermichael Finley, he still was not like a top-five guy. Right. So, he was
0: top ten, but he, he wasn't going to crack top five.
1: So there's no reason for me to think that Richard Rodgers, who doesn't seem as beastly as Finley uh, was, would break that top ten. And if you're not breaking a top ten, then you probably don't deserve to be drafted the You're not redrafted. starting on my
0: team. I hope. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, And then from the Bears' perspective, Eddie Royal, who will probably get a billion passes this year because Marquise Wilson, in my opinion, has no business playing as a starter. And Kevin White is on IR. IR return, I think. But again, I mean, he hasn't even practiced with them, really. Right. Uh, So it's pretty much just Alshon Jeffrey who will get double-covered and Eddie Royal who will catch a bunch of possession shots and downfield shots. So I think that it's possible... Quite possible that from a game to game basis, uh, you know Eddie Royal and Alshon Jeffrey might have similar stats once in a while.
0: I could totally see that happening. Yeah, and if Alshon Jeffrey's actually hurt, then I could see Eddie Royal. You know, if he's hurt for any significant amount of time, Eddie Royal could lead the team in
1: receiving. Yeah, I mean he he did well in San Diego. He played with uh, he played with Cutler before. He'll have a
0: stretch at some point this year where he scores like six touchdowns in three games.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And and the Bears will be behind for a while, so that that stuff's going to happen. Yeah. And then Jeremy Langford, who the Bears really like, who has run he's really well, really good in preseason, in the preseason. And Matt Forte is, let's face it, Bears fans, he's getting older. He's just not as impressive as he used to be. And this offense is not going to pass him the ball ninety times. I don't care how many times, how much you think that's going to happen, but it's not. So they're going to try to rush a lot. And I would not be surprised if they have Forte as the lead back in a committee which has never really happened before on the Bears. They tried once with Michael Bush, but it never worked out. Yeah, I think Forte Langford as like a little bit of a, a a committee on a team where they don't want Cutler to throw the ball all the time could work out pretty well for the Bears and as a strategy in general just to control the offense.
0: Yeah, I think that Forte will probably still have a good year. He's always you know, had around the 250 mark in carries, so I, he'll have between 200 and 250 again this year, I think. Um, and his attempt, his yards per attempt is probably going to go back up because last year they were just
1: abysmal. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's not like the offensive line got substantially better or anything.
0: Yeah. They did move Kyle <laughs> Long over to right tackle, but I don't know if that's going to help the running game that much.
1: Yeah. Um, hard knocks this year, uh, which just ended, has been all about the Houston Chiefs, and the Houston Chiefs are playing the Texans on Sunday.
0: You want to say that again, Dave? You said the Houston Chiefs. I'm sorry. The, the, <laughs> the Kansas
1: City Chiefs. It must be that Stone go-to IPA. I apologize to Stone. I apologize to You should take Stone
0: because they're fantastic.
1: Why don't you take the Chiefs-Texans game? Because I obviously don't know where they're from.
0: So the Kansas City Chiefs are playing (laughs) HBO's Hard Knocks team, the uh, Texans. And I hope that uh, Vince Wilfork is on next season of True Detective. Uh, So the Chiefs have uh, upgraded the wide receivers because they have Jeremy F. and Macklin now. So Jeremy Macklin is back with Andy Reid. They're going to have a good time. They're going to have a very good time. I predict that Jeremy Macklin is going to be easily a top 20 wide receiver this year, possibly a top 15. Um, I've picked him up in lots of my leagues, and I know that Alex Smith can get him the ball. Maybe he doesn't get him the ball all the way downfield, but Jeremy Macklin is a guy who can make his way downfield on his own. Um, so they've also got Jamal Charles and Travis Kelsey. So anytime a team can have that threat from three different places, the tight end, the running back, and the wide receiver, it really causes the the defense to have to play them uh, sort of vanilla. They can't just focus on one of those guys. So all three guys are going to probably have good production in most games. There isn't going to be a, a case where one guy is sort of taking work away from another guy, unless Jamal Charles could, could totally end up being that guy if he has, like, a 35-carry, 200-yard, 5-touchdown game like he always seems to have once a year. <laughs> so that'll be the game when Jeremy Macklin doesn't get 100 yards. But I think that Kelsey, Macklin, and Charles are all going to finish very high up at their respective positions. Um, So the Texans, their strength, and this is another one of those uh, awesome offense versus awesome defense matchups that you like so much. So the Texans' defense is probably going to be the best front seven in the league, uh, if not the best entire defense. So they've got J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney and Vince Wilfork all rushing the quarterback on pretty much every play. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. What they don't really have is a uh, tight end threat. You know, n- certainly not anybody as dominant as Kelsey. And they don't have Arian Foster yet. So right now there is no, uh, you know, big running back there uh, to sort of take over. Uh, they are going to try with Alfred Blue. They're going to maybe give the ball to Polk some. Uh,
1: who's the, th- the other guy there? Well, I like Grimes in a uh, PPR league because he is the guy who's going to be catching passes in the backfield. And if Houston is down, then again, that's like that Roy Haley situation in Oakland, where they'll be having him come out in the hurry-up offense more often. So I I could see Grimes coming out there more than the other guys contributing, since I don't think they'll be ahead in a whole lot of games. Right. So, But yeah, that's the three of them. Uh, And then they do have uh, Garrett Graham uh, as a a tight end. But the, the... issue is Bill O'Brien doesn't throw to the tight end so it doesn't matter yeah
0: yeah it's not gonna be a big deal they do have uh, Cecil Shorts drink five (laughs) who I hope will be the number two guy there because I want to see him on the field but they also drafted Jalen Strong who is gonna be excellent
1: well, you'll see Cecil Shorts on the field, and he will be the number two guy. Jalen Strong might overtake him uh, some point in the season if he ends up being really good. Uh, more of a red zone threat, certainly, than Cecil, but Cecil will get his, and you'll see him. Uh, Nate Washington is the guy they picked up, too, but he is, is probably not going to do very much at all, other than just be sort of a presence. So <laughs> I expect that it waffles between Cecil and Jalen all year, and they run two of them out sometimes, and DeAndre Hopkins is the other guy, so... I don't like Brian Hoyer, but Brian just Hoyer going to
0: ask you what you thought.
1: Brian Hoyer at least has targets to throw the ball to. Sure,
0: he definitely has uh, several options. Hopkins was already making spectacular plays in the preseason, so um, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. This is going to be a great game. Um, there's a lot of really good matchups in Week One, and there's you know there's some sleepers that we've mentioned, but the Colts and the Bills, and the this one, the Chiefs and the Texans. Those games are going to be awesome.
1: I, I'm it's gonna, gonna be awesome to have football back, Dave. I'm gonna enjoy watching this next game, the Dolphins versus the Redskins, just because the Dolphins, because the Dolphins are gonna
0: smash the Redskins. They're gonna
1: score like eight thousand points. Oh man! So, <laughs> so you're gonna leave and say so long and thanks for all the fish. You know what's happened with the Redskins? The Redskins have uh, basically like have been a tower that was just toppled over by a giant hammer swing that was RG three's career. <laughs> And RG3 has now uh, been benched, basically, in favor of Kirk Cousins. This has happened once before because of an injury uh, inadvertently. This time it is on purpose, also prompted by an injury, but I think these injuries are starting to be more than uh, a kick in the pants. Now they're like an electrocution in the head. So... (laughs) So Kirk Cousins will be the starter. Now Kirk what, Cousins is kind of the lobotomy of the team. Whether or not Kirk Cousins can actually be a good <laughs> starter is up for grabs. I, I personally I think that Colt McCoy has just as much of a chance as being a starter for the Redskins all year as Kirk Cousins does because both of those guys have shown that they can alternately have good games and terrible ones. And the, uh, the thing that makes a good quarterback uh, in the NFL is not necessarily an overwhelming amount of talent. Uh, It's just the ability to be consistent.
0: Yeah, don't throw interceptions, get first downs, don't turn the ball
1: over. And McCoy and Cousins are not consistent quarterbacks. And so that's basically the definition of what they don't want in the under center in the NFL. Because then the offensive coordinator and the coaches can't call the right plays because they're always
0: behind and they're always turning the ball over.
1: Yeah, they don't have confidence and faith in the quarterbacks to fulfill those obligations.
0: Yeah, the Redskins, you know, maybe this is all karma for... Having a team that everyone thinks they should change the name and then they just, you know,
1: ignorantly refuse. It's all karma. Perhaps. (laughs) Uh, So. In this new era for Washington, uh, I think we do have two guys that are really cool. So you have, uh, and these aren't them. So you have Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, yeah. who are the main wide receivers on this team. Well, there's
0: talent on this
1: team, which is the weird part. Well, Pierre Garcon hasn't really done very much since his since leading the league in reception. He's had a he's, he does have like one really good year under him. He did uh, have a few
0: good seasons with Peyton Manning. At least one. Uh, but he's one of those guys, I think, that got traded early in his career. And that's never a good sign to me. Uh, okay, he played in Indy for four years. And then he went to Washington. But yeah, I mean, other than his 113 catch year, his best year was 70. And he never went over 1,000 yards except for that one big year.
1: Yeah. Uh, so without Peyton Manning throwing him the ball, he loses some relevancy. And Deshaun Jackson is, is someone who's just a, a fast, you know, good, deep threat. Kind of like a Mike Wallace sort of character. And uh, that is good in circum- certain circumstances, of course. And it really worked for RG3 and Deshaun Jackson for a while because RG3 had his own threat and his own legs. But as soon as teams started figuring out that they could sort of stack the box, uh, I mean, they didn't have to stack the box against the Redskins, right. then he became less of a threat. He'll still be that big play guy on the team no matter but what. But
0: th- the thing is, like, they can stack the box because they're not threatened by the quarterback generally.
1: Well, right. Uh so they will just stack the box against Alfred Morris. That could really hurt him. So who I like on this team, I like Jordan Reed a lot, who if he's able to remain healthy, will probably have the most receptions on the team by far and actually be very, very fantasy relevant because in the short time that he has been playing, whenever he's out there, he makes great plays and he makes a lot of them. Kirk Cousins is going to be dumping off the ball or Colt McCoy, whoever's under center, is going to be dumping. they're going to be dumping off the ball all the time. So Jordan Reed is the guy who's going to be Running for their lives. Right, he's the benefactor of that. And and along those same lines, it's Matt Jones. Matt Jones is a rookie that they drafted uh, to be the third down back for Alfred Morris. But it might be more than that. This is where he starts. He starts off as a guy who is going to catch a lot of passes in the backfield, who's out there on hurry-up plays because, again, Washington is one of those teams that will be down on points a lot. So they're gonna to have to run the hurry up offense more than the Alfred Morris offense, which only happens when they're winning. Yep. Um and so this is a guy that might even end up stealing a little bit of Alfred Morris' time. And if they like him better, Alfred Morris is starting to be a very plodding plotter.
0: Oh, don't remind me. I wound <laughs> up with him as my second running back in a bunch of leagues.
1: And it's not that like
0: I'm too, so high on him, it's just we always talked about value based drafting and he was always, you know,
1: he was always such a good
0: value at well, that point.
1: it's not the end of the world. I mean, he's a guy that if... if he's going to get a lot of work. If the game is going fine, he'll still get over 50% of all of the work as a running back. And uh, unless he gets injured or something, he'll probably get 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. Alfred but, Morris. But Matt Jones could cut into that if he's really good as a rookie. And he will get more work in the hurry-up offense because there's no way that Washington has a winning record. Which means that over 50% of the time, uh, in general, they're going to be losing.
0: Yes. No, that's, you know, over 50% of the time, period.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, I didn't really talk about the Dolphins. So we talked about the Dolphins' running back situation earlier. Lamar Miller could be really good, uh, but he has sort of a a ceiling on him already that we know. He
0: does have kind of a low ceiling.
1: Jonas Gray uh, is in there now, who could immediately become his backup. So we'll see if he has any relevance. And then we've got um, Jarvis Landry, who will be a PPR stud, but he may not get as many touchdowns as he did last year due to the other receivers that were brought in. Jordan Cameron is a better red zone threat than Jarvis Landry. The tight end, yes. And then you've also got Kenny Stills and Greg Jennings and Devontae Parker. Now, Parker is a rookie who probably will have to earn his way into the starting lineup. I think right now the starting lineup is Landry, Jennings, and Stills. So Parker may end up taking out Jennings, And they might have uh, Stills and Parker sort of outside each other, yeah. With a a Landry
0: lining up in the slot a lot.
1: A Cameron Landry sort of inside over the middle, and I think that's how the Dolphins will do it. Um,
0: Hey, that's not a bad setup.
1: No, it's not at all. (laughs) Um, Got a lot of talent on the field. So I think an under the radar guy is Kenny Stills because he still wasn't a really well known player when he was on the Saints with Breeze, and he never got to be that well known player because he was only there for a year or two. Um, before he came over to the Dolphins. Now, Tannehill hopefully has a better, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Rapport? Yeah, well, sure. Not that one, but it's close. Chemistry. Oh uh, Yeah, better chemistry with Stills than he did with Wallace, because that was always the problem. They say that he's been throwing the deep ball better, so we'll see how he does. But if he can throw the deep ball, then Tannehill may end up being a top-five quarterback for the first time in his career. And if he does that, then he could end up being a franchise quarterback for the rest of his life uh, as a football player. He'll earn
0: himself a big extension if he does that.
1: He gets the elite tag, and the Dolphins could once again be a team that like p- competes for the conference championship. Well, their every defense
0: year. was good last year, and they acquired Indama and so that helps things out. Tannehill has improved every year, and now has more weapons than he's ever had before. Then he runs
1: right. And it's so under the radar, I think. like I, I realize he's still working his way up draft boards, and, and that's a little a bit of a problem. When Tannehill's going as like the number seven quarterback... I didn't
0: draft him anywhere this year. I made a big mistake. We said, and I think we, we this may be a retraction, but a bit late. Uh, we said early on that Tannehill was a guy who was too overhyped and that he was being taken too early, and I just didn't see that in all the drafts after that because we did do the quarterback show early. Tannehill
1: wind up going late all the time. Well, it's because people don't recognize him as a name in the draft. Yeah. So even if you're drafting with people that know what they're doing, you still don't. they still don't want to grab those guys that are risks. They want to take someone else. A lot of people would take Matt Ryan above him. A lot of people would take Cam Newton above him. But in all reality, you shouldn't take either of those guys above him probably. You just wait and you take Tannehill later. Yeah, someone I, else. I always loved taking like Tannehill and Romo and stuff, but now those guys are going higher in drafts, and I can't take them as like late round value picks anymore. Yeah, because they're going like seven, eight. Well,
0: this year was the last year you could get Tannehill at a value pick. It's not going to happen next year.
1: Well, we hope so. Uh, so anyway, I think the Dolphins will beat the shit out of the Redskins. That's apparent, right?
0: Yes. I'll put a uh, probably at least a twelve or a thirteen on them.
1: Yeah. Uh, so let's zoom through a couple more because I know we have some more games to the go The lightning over.
0: round. <laughs> <laughs> so the Seahawks are going to go to St. Louis and play the Rams. Um, so the Seahawks actually improved you know, a decent amount on offense. They have Jimmy Graham now, and they got Fred Jackson. So their uh, backup backfield is solidified. We know what's going to go on there. Jimmy Graham, we know, is going to catch 80 passes or more from Russell Wilson and uh, provide a red zone target that they haven't had In the Russell Wilson era. Yeah, it's too scary. So a team that has made the Super Bowl twice and won it once has now got one of the best tight ends uh, offensive weapons in the league. So uh, good luck,
1: everyone else in the NFC West. And the running back that that fostered and and helped uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch to mature. (sighs) That's true. And now Marshawn Lynch is fucking beast mode. It's pretty crazy. It's... if they're not going to win another Super Bowl here, then then someone's going to be injured or something bad's going to happen to them.
0: Yeah, so we talked about the situation with the uh, with the Saints. I'm sorry, the St. Louis uh, backfield earlier. Benny Cunningham's going to be the guy this week um, and probably next week if Trey Mason still isn't going to play. Todd Gurley should be back maybe week three, hopefully, but probably more like week four or five. And um, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about the receivers in St. Louis? Is there anyone there who's going to be startable,
1: especially against the Seahawks? Yeah, Brian Quick's the number one guy. He did really well last year, um, and he had a bunch of crappy quarterbacks throwing him the ball. What, Austin Davis? Yeah, and some Sean Hill, like some like random collection of quarterbacks. So now with Nick Foles, he should at least have a better, more consistent quarterback throwing him the ball. Kenny Britt is also there. I don't have a lot of trust in him, but he's a downfield threat. So... As long as there's not a really good running back presence, then there's not going to be a big Kenny Britt play. As soon as they get like that Todd Gurley, Trey Mason rotation going, and assuming Todd Gurley is actually as talented as many people say he is, then you'll get the Kenny Britt thing going.
0: Well, you know they traded up to get him, so uh, they really high on him. That's for sure.
1: All that we hear from all of those people that we know that are very into college sports, etc., think that Gurley should be probably a a top five or six talent in the NFL for the next couple years. Yeah, that's very high. That's a very high regard for someone. It doesn't usually happen like that.
0: So you think Kenny Britt's going to have a big game?
1: (laughs) A game? (laughs) Any game at all? Yeah, well, I just said that. I think when the running back situation uh, solidifies a little bit and Todd Gurley becomes more of a threat, then Kenny Britt can have some passing lanes open. And he may have a couple big passes. Wow. Uh, but I think Brian Quick is the guy who gets all of the added benefit of, of having a better quarterback.
0: Yeah, he was on his way before he got injured last year at like, a much more increased role.
1: And we talked a little bit about the Seahawks situation and how they got better. Well, you got to remember this guy named Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett was a rookie that was drafted this year. He is an outside presence that's a very fast guy that could change the, the very way that Seattle plays. If this all works out for Seattle. Ricardo Lockett. What? Oh, no. Tyler Lockett's the rookie. There's
0: two Lockett's, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Um, there's two Lockett receivers on the team. Tyler Lockett. There's, okay, there's two Allens in Jacksonville, there's two Browns in Arizona. It looks like there's two have, Lockett's in Seattle.
1: You're the one that needs to be writing the letters, I think.
0: I you know there's a lot of names that are mixing me up lately.
1: <laughs> these pretzels so, are making me thirsty. So yeah, Tyler uh, could be really really great. They they previously had a deep threat named Jermaine Curse, but he just wasn't good enough. Um, Doug Baldwin is a decent receiver, but more he's, of a possession guy. Still, but he's a possession guy, and, and they're having him play as like a number one receiver. You know, Curse and Baldwin. Look, it's going
0: to be all Jimmy Graham, and then these other guys are going to have lanes open up for them.
1: Well, what I'm saying is that's exactly right. And if Lockett ends up being anything like he's built to be, yeah. then Seattle could also have a deep threat that they've never had before. And all these things for Seattle, granted, they probably won't all work out, but if they did, no one could beat Seattle. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, man.
1: I, I don't see any situation in which the Colts, the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys, none of those teams should be able to beat them.
0: Look, they still have Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett and now, Cliff Averill. And, Chancellor, so many good players
1: who's a, who's a really good uh, uh, guy from the secondary, is holding out and may hold out for the whole season. So that's certainly not helping them. Yeah. But uh, just that, even if he doesn't play for the whole season, Seattle's probably still the number one or number two ranked team in the entire NFL. So it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of other exciting NFC teams like throughout the country that could compete for uh, the NFC championship. But they're all going to have to go through Seattle at some point.
1: Yeah, it's pretty scary. And
0: they're probably going to have to
1: play the championship game there. <laughs> so have a good time, boys. You're going to fucking lose. <laughs> all right, so I'll go a little faster. Lions versus Chargers. Megatron and Tate, they could have a ton of yards this year. I love that combo. Stafford's weird little sidearm throw. You know, it still works. So what, what can you say about it? He's never going to be an amazing quarterback. He'll always be a good one. Works for Phillip Rivers. Uh, Amir Abdullah, who's a super overhyped guy, but it's one of those situations where the overhype might be, uh, something that's actually just, just plain old hype. It's justified yeah. because this guy is, he looks like, you know, one of the things I don't like about Detroit's backfield is that they always end up having these guys that go in there and have wonderful years and then get injured or they're out for the rest of their careers. Uh, do you remember the last couple guys? Well, there was Reggie Bush and, uh, um, well, he's still playing. I, they're, yeah, they're, but he's not
0: there anymore. Yeah. I guess. Well, who was before like Reggie and Joy Bell? Um, they, had, uh, they had, they um, had. I'm gonna pull up a Lashore couple. shore for a
1: minute. Well, I don't, I don't know his. Deal. I don't know that he was <laughs> a, a number one ever. They've got uh, this guy Zach Zenner who's also running all over the what place. What
0: they need is another Barry Sanders.
1: Yeah, they can. That just, would work for them. They can just go grab a Barry Sanders. Just, just
0: draft the next Barry Sanders, guys. You'll be fine.
1: That's no problem. Yeah, easy as that. Um, I can't look up like the the historical roster of Lions running backs. It's like hundreds of them. So, <laughs>
0: well, like what years were you
1: thinking? No, this is just recently. I no worries. We don't have to dive too b- deep into it. But here's a guy who went out there. He was like a PPR stud, fantastic, uh, like backfield receiver and runner, and then ended up not ever playing the game of football again because of the amount of concussions he had. <laughs> and I feel like that happened several times uh, in between. Um, you know Amazing running backs For the, for the Lions Yeah Anyway uh, Abdullah should be really good And sort of splitting carries With Joyke Bell And because That backfield is better Than it oh, has been while I know what you were
0: thinking of Who's that? Javid Best Yeah
1: Best remember, I remember picking him up After he did really well And then he got a concussion And he was like Oh So
0: like all things in life Dave <laughs> When you want uh, Weird obscure information Quickly just go to Wikipedia you got it. The The historical like pages for each team's season are so comprehensive. It's incredible. They have a breakdown of every single game going back who knows how far.
1: Being that Wikipedia is such a, a great piece of technology that all of us use in our everyday life and enjoy, go donate some money to Wikipedia.
0: Yes, I agree. <laughs> I concur. Uh,
1: so because the, the Detroit Lions backfield is so much better, I think, this year, that should open up even more passing lanes for Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate, who uh, have the unique distinction of being wide receivers that don't need to get open. They are fantastic. Well, Golden
0: Tate needs to get open. He's not a big guy.
1: He's an amazing route runner that's always open.
0: Well, yes, he runs himself open. He 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 makes it happen. Well, Calvin Johnson can have three guys fucking hanging on his neck, and he'll catch the ball. Well,
1: the thing I'm saying is true, but different reasons. Uh, but yes, you're right. But It's effortless for for Golden Tate to get open. All I'm saying is it's going to be difficult for them to double-team Calvin Johnson if if there are great running backs and another good receiver. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there will really be very much uh, pop from the tight end position. Agreed. From the Lions, they have Pettigrew and they have Ebron. Both of those guys could be something if they wanted to throw the ball to the tight end all game, but they don't want to.
0: You know, I think a lot of teams um, don't necessarily need a tight end if they have strong presence in the slot, which is something that... Uh, You know uh, what's his face? Golden Tate, kids them.
1: I mean, he's also an outside receiver. He runs a lot of like sixty-yard touchdowns. He's great.
0: Well, a lot of that outside play was because Calvin Johnson wasn't playing. So I'd be interested to see uh, you know who they're going to be running out there all the time. It'll probably be Tate and Megatron for a majority of the plays.
1: Well, all of them, right? Right, like, what, 80%, 90% at least. I As long as he's healthy, as long as they're both healthy, they'll both be out there. Because
0: there isn't, like, a third guy there that's threatening anything, is there?
1: There is another receiver, but no, he's not threatening anything. And uh, There's tales of a
0: man in Denver, <laughs> or in Detroit.
1: And uh, and I pay attention to Tate's career very closely just because I oh, have several they have Lance Moore. Leads. Yeah, not happening. No, Lance Moore's not even the third on the depth chart. Uh,
0: I know, they just have him.
1: Yeah. I mean he was he was he had run, ran like one play with the Steelers last year. He
0: had one catch per game. <laughs>
1: um okay. So and then they're playing the Chargers, who I'm a big fan of Danny Woodhead. I think a lot of people are starting to warm back up to him, but they forgot about him last year cuz he was injured for most of it. He should go back to 2013 form. And Melvin Gordon, who's the rookie running back for San Diego. He may be good, but he's a, you know, an early down back and he's a rookie. So if you take All of this with a grain of salt, temper expectations, etc. Even if you say that Melvin Gordon is going to have a great year, there's still a lot of yardage to go around in that backfield, and Brandon Oliver is not going to get it. It's all Danny Woodhead. So Danny Woodhead's going to get passes, he's going to get carries, and again, the Chargers are a team that, um, while they can score a lot of points, they don't often do it in the beginning of the games, for example. Uh, It tends to happen when... They're they're down or backed up against the wall or that's that's how I feel about Rivers anyway. They tend to score a lot of points in like the third and fourth quarters. Now that could just be uh, me pulling stuff out of my ass, but (laughs) but that's what I remember watching. Rivers, yeah, Rivers is a really good end of the game guy. Yeah, the San Diego games always end up being like touchdown, touchdown, whether it's to Antonio Gates or or whoever. (sighs)
0: Usually to Antonio Gates.
1: The other thing that I like about this uh, Chargers team is that they got Stevie Johnson from Buffalo, a guy that had really good stats for two years and then sort of fell off. Three years,
0: I think he was over 1,000.
1: And then he went to the 49ers, didn't do much. He was with Kaepernick. Uh, He comes back here um, to the San Diego Chargers, plays probably with the best quarterback he's played with ever uh, in the best situation that he's ever been in. Um, in the best weather that he's ever had. (laughs) And those three things, and and the fact that he's still a young guy, I think that Stevie Johnson will probably be a good fantasy-relevant receiver. Uh, That is, to me, at least a WR3 on a redraft league and standard scoring. Um, And and he's still going as, like, the 47th uh, wide receiver off the board.
0: Yeah, yeah. I got him late in a 16-team draft. So uh, I'm going to... Definitely
1: be uh, starting him most weeks. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to go through a couple. Vikings and 49ers. Teddy Bridgewater has really improved his game. Mike Wallace remains to be seen. Charles Johnson is a guy you should always look out for. He's the number one guy there. Uh, And Adrian Peterson doesn't need anything to be talked about him.
0: Adrian Peterson, it will rise again.
1: I think the most interesting thing about the Vikings is Kyle Rudolph. He could be a top 10 tight end or be nothing. Uh, It all... Pretty much depends on how it goes this year. Yep. Uh, but I know that he will get some red zone looks, so there's always that. Yeah. The, Kyle
0: Rudolph, this is a make or break year.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, the 49ers, we're not really sure how we feel about them. Other I'm than, pretty sure how, about how I feel about them. Well, we don't like Carlos Hyde. Nope. Uh, we don't particularly like Carl, or, uh, Colin or Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Nope. Um, I, I think the only real guy that I like on the team. Big fan of Tory Smith. Is is probably Anquan Bolden because I know he'll get a ton of passes still. Yeah, every game.
0: Kaepernick really likes throwing to him.
1: Now, Torrey Smith is like a we we'll draw Wallace, a lot of DPI, like a Kenny Stills, like a you know yep. his boomer bust Kenny Britt. You yep. know, hopefully he's more Wallace than Britt uh, for his own sake.
0: Torrey Smith wants to be Deshaun Jackson, but he just isn't.
1: Well, Deshaun Jackson wants to be Deshaun Jackson right now. Well, he w- he's... <laughs> in Washington. Man, he would love to be in Kansas City right now. Uh, the Eagles versus the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are a team that has pretty much stayed the same. They have uh, major issues at running back ever since they lost Michael Turner. Uh, they have really good... Wow, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> they have uh, a really good wide receiver who could be the best in the NFL. And then they have an aging one that just had bone chips removed. Um, yeah. They have a... a better-than-average quarterback that sometimes peaks close to the top 10, but will never really be in there. Um, And uh, they have a big, empty slot where their tight end used to be.
0: Yeah, a Tony Gonzalez-sized hole
1: Um, that has
0: not been filled yet.
1: (laughs) It was there last year. Well, they do have uh, a new tight end there, and perhaps he will do good things, but I'm not really sure. They do have
0: Jacob Tamme. They signed him, I think, two years, $4 million, so... Uh, that's not nothing for a tight end. Tight ends are usually one of the lower paid skill positions.
1: But yeah, I love Julio Jones, and uh, I think Tevin Coleman is a guy that might end up being uh, sort of an RB two that you can get right now for very little. Um, pick him up off your waiver wire or whatever. Uh, you know, that's that's tonight for a lot of leagues going into week one. So don't think that you can't go in there and grab some guys before you even begin. Make some moves.
0: Check your lineups. Make sure you know you don't get caught off guard in week one.
1: Uh, the Eagles. We could talk about them forever, but just very quickly, I think that both uh, Matthews and Aguilar will have over a thousand yards. Jordan, and that, that is. Everybody, two tees. Everybody in that uh, offense, um, with the exception of backups, um, should be rosterable and startable every single week, because the Eagles are going to be out of this world fast and out of this world good. And um, they might not have a good enough defense to make it uh, too far in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but they're still going to, to have some really impressive they're games.
0: They're going to have something to say about who makes it to the playoffs, that's for sure.
1: They're going to have some really impressive games.
0: So they picked up DeMarco Murray, and even if they do spread the ball around a lot, they didn't pick him up to be in a committee. They picked him up to carry the damn ball. So he's going to be you know phenomenal this year, even though they lost McCoy. You know He may be a better replacement at
1: this point in their career. It's Chip Kelly, it doesn't matter who the player is. They're going to be good. Yeah.
0: This is a system first kind of thing.
1: Yep. Uh, Giants, Giants and Cowboys? Giants and Cowboys. Giants uh, have Odell Beckham Jr but no other receivers except for Doesn't the, matter. except for the possibility of Ruben Randall, but he's doesn't more matter. he's more like a thought than a than That's a, all they had last year was a shadow of Ruben Randall. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think if Ruben Randall could actually step up, He could be really good in this system. Uh, Shane Vereen is uh, entering his first year as a Giant. He'll be used a lot. I don't really like this combination of Rashad Jennings and Andre Williams. I feel like they are just a bunch of mud. Yeah. So I don't. They're
0: not even plot. I mean, Williams is a plotter. But I don't know how to play. Rashad Jennings, Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen isn't even playing yet. I don't think.
1: Yeah, he is. Okay. And and Shane Vereen will be just fine. He'll be getting a lot of catches in the. Oh, it's Ridley that's out. Yeah. He's in
0: the other New York team. Right. I'm getting my ex-Patriots who have gone to New York uh, to be at the end of a depth chart confused.
1: <laughs> Larry Donnell is an interesting tight end. Uh, he did really well throughout the season. could still do well again. I think that people may be sleeping on him a little bit. Uh, we actually rank him in our top 10 tight ends, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think we do. Um, and then Larry. you've got Eli Manning, who's in the second year of this new system. I really am subscribing to Eli Manning's magazine uh, right now. I, I think that uh, wow. I think that he is going to um, really excel in the system once more. Have more touchdowns, less interceptions. Has it been five
0: years since they won a Super Bowl? Is that it? Uh, <laughs> the Giants
1: have good. They're on a five-year cycle. They got good stuff, but they don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a good secondary because they keep blowing it up. So, yeah, and they don't have Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, at least not yet. He is uh, back in camp talking to them, but uh, there's not a there's whole no lot There's no contract going on. yet, I think. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, minus one finger, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys, not a whole lot to talk about. Yes, there is. Uh, so A few things, maybe. Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, uh, Cole Beasley. Uh, I really like their wide receivers. I really like their quarterback. I think Jason Witten has a chance to pick up the slack from where he lost it a little <laughs> bit last year because there should be a little bit more passing going on. Uh, they're... Running back committee is a, is a weird thing. So it's Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden, Lance Dunbar, and Christine Michael, who they just got from Seattle. Yeah. Um, what will happen is what always happens. Uh, one of those people will end up being the lead back of the committee. And I don't know who it is yet, and I think it might change several times. But I do know that Darren McFadden, it will not be, at least not at the end of the year, because that will never happen. Well, it sounds like he is going to be
0: the guy at the beginning of the year
1: there There are three reports, yeah, and so there and so there are no reports
0: that's you know that's a good way to look at
1: it. Darren McFadden has never been good except for that one year in Oakland, and so there's absolutely no reason for me to think that he could be good here. Um, Joseph Randall is a younger guy, I mean that's what he's got going for him, right?
0: Well, yeah, it, you know, he certainly doesn't have being a thief going for him.
1: Uh, Lance Dunbar is a guy who is, uh, I think, been receiving a lot of catches in the backfield. Um, he's not really a guy who's going to lead the committee, so he would be like more of a third-down back kind of person. Um, and Christine Michael is a guy that uh, never really had a chance in Seattle, and they didn't like very much for various reasons. Um, Dallas is now giving him a shot, but he has to work his way up through all those guys. However, he is kind of the the biggest, like most. Uh, likely sort of early down back for the Cowboys in a length of time whether that be uh, at the end of the year or or next year or whatever he's sort of what they want more than those other guys are
0: yeah they look at him as a long-term project who uh maybe starting more you know sooner than you think
1: so i'm not sure what's going to happen except that i'm not going to play any of them okay you're sure about that well it's it's a Four-headed
0: committee. Who would play any of them? No, I'm not. Yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> start Des Bryant. Start Tony Romo. I like Terrence Williams um, in a flex and a PPR. Uh, I would stay away from those running backs until something shakes out.
1: Okay, so Bucks or Titans?
0: Um, battle of the rookie quarterbacks. Give me the Bucks.
1: Okay, who's your uh, who's your under the radar guys on the Bucks?
0: Well, I don't know if he's under the radar, but I like Darren. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Doug Martin uh, on the Bucks. I think that. He is going to not return to form, but not be garbage this year. I think he'll be a serviceable flex guy. You know, maybe a uh, RB three.
1: Yeah. So is that is that because of like the sort of teasing that he gave uh, fantasy football fans during the preseason? Is sure, that
0: helps. But I, you know, he's in. He's on a team where they can do that. Um, he's got a lot of talent on the team. You know. So, so what changed between last year and this year? He's probably healthier. Um, the two-threat, you know, the two-receiver threat is very established. Now they have a quarterback they actually need to worry about rather than Josh McCown.
1: And they have a, a upcoming tight end as well.
0: Right. So, you know, the offense has improved in Tampa Bay, and that's only going to help Doug Martin as he gets healthier.
1: Um, Tampa Bay is surprising. Like, I, I think about uh, Tampa Bay as one of those things that you could do to kind of sort of stymie your opponents, uh, play Tampa Bay, you know, in week one as a defense Because uh Tampa Bay Because they're
0: going up against a new quarterback
1: he's, They're playing the Titans And Tampa Bay has like a real scrappy uh You know, like um uh,
0: They have Gerald McCoy on defense
1: They are a defense that is going to try to They have Lovey Smith's ball-punching defense Yeah, they're going to try to get the, uh, To recover the ball Whether it be right. fumbles or interceptions right. More than other teams do Arizona does that a lot too uh, so Arizona, yeah. Tampa Bay, I and think, the, the original ball puncher himself, Peanut Tillman,
0: is going to be in Carolina this year,
1: right? Carolina Carolina's a good choice too, and uh, we'll see if Tillman can play more than four games in a row. But uh, you know, he's a, definitely a good—that's a, a big F. a good guy to have in the back there. Uh, so on the Titan side of things, um, they just got Terrence West. They have Bishop Sankey. Uh, I'm not really sure that that backfield is one that I want to buy into. Um, I don't really like Doriel Beckham as more than a project receiver. I don't think he's going to be amazing this year. It seems like he needs a lot of work. Um, so the guy in Tennessee that gets all the benefit of having the new quarterback, etc., uh, is Kendall Wright and then also Delaney Walker. Yeah. Because they're both going to get a ton of passes in short yardage because uh, Tennessee doesn't want to kill... Their new quarterback, Mario Ta, and Mario Ta wants to get rid of the ball while still showcasing some talent. So, you know, you, you don't go downfield.
0: Right, you run quick plays. Yep, and that's, Slants, how you, that's how you keep everybody alive. outs, comebacks, all yeah. that stuff.
1: So those guys could be real studs in PPR. And uh, I, I think that the Titans will be better than last year, but I don't think that means much. Right. You know, better than last year could mean four wins instead of
0: two. Or did they have three? I don't remember. They All had a the wins. poor year.
1: Yep, you're right. So, uh, Bengals at Raiders. Uh, what do so you So,
0: like? I like, um, like I said earlier, I kind of like the Raiders in an upset in this game. Why the hell not call an upset? Um, so. uh
1: What's our confidence pool guy, Tad, called the Raiders. But then he is a Raiders fan. He is a Raiders fan. Okay. <laughs> so, well, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I like the Raiders offense. It's up and coming. It's interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see how that works out. And- the game's
0: in Oakland. That has a lot to do with like where I think the game will go. Um, as far as fantasy goes, I think that Latavius Murray, um, you, you want to wait and see on him. I think that he will show everyone that he's going to be a week-to-week starter on this team, uh, if not you know, a guy who you can rely on in fantasy. Um, that much you know, still needs to be proven. Sample I, size I will isn't big that. enough. I'll accept that. Um, Amari Cooper, I'm excited to see him. I think that some people might be starting him week one. Uh, that may be a little bold, but at the same time, he was drafted fourth overall. He is a hell of a talent. Uh, he's got a young quarterback who's got nothing to lose, so he's no, going to throw to him.
1: No, he's good right away. He's the same value as, as those guys were last year that were the wide receivers drafted in the first the right round. The right-away guys, yeah. You need to play those guys. It's like Sammy Watkins wasn't like bad all. Sammy ever. Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., they were good right at away. At any point, you can get 100 yards and a touchdown because you're a good receiver. Right. Those are all guys who are like top 10 guys. And Michael Crabtree's on it's the Raiders. It's a shame
0: Raiders. that Kevin White's not playing for the Bears. He's a top 10 guy.
1: Crabtree could be pretty good on the Raiders. Uh, you know, it seems like he's been doing better on this offense. He's the number two guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Um, Michael Rivera
0: at tight end, not like super hot on him. I do think Derek Carr is going to improve. Uh, so I like the Raiders here, um, but they have to somehow stop the running game of Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to have. One hell of a running game this year. It's going to be lots of Jeremy Hill, lots of change of pace with Giovanni Bernard. Those two guys are going to combine for like 500 touches probably. So that's a great portion of their offense. Um, and then they've got, you know, A.J. Green. And I, I still have am skeptical at how effective the rest of the people catching passes on the team are going to be. Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert. They have talent. Um, they have yet to translate it into real production.
1: You know, Jones was never real successful at being the number two, and he was always getting injured. Sanu, same thing. But they need a number two there. I think Eifert is the number two. I think Eifert will be a very, very highly rated title. They
0: need to, someone to stick around for long enough to develop chemistry with Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. That AJ Green has done that, and he's very successful.
1: Yep. So I think I think he's a guy. Personally, uh, you can take a risk on him if you want to, because he's a guy who goes like number eight. Uh, but could finish above that. Uh, the Ravens and Broncos, Mark Tressman is now the OC for the Ravens. Joe Flacco is a quarterback that could always be a little better, and sometimes he shows uh, that in games. Sometimes he has, like, five touchdown games that are really impressive.
0: You were talking about guys to just go ahead and start in, like, the first week or two earlier. Since uh, 2009, Steve Smith has had, and I saw this on Roto World, uh, nine, at least 95 yards
1: uh, in each opening game. So, he's a good start this week. Well, my my philosophy on Steve Smith is always the same. That is, you should start him for the first, like, six weeks and then sell him to someone else. Smart move. Um, he's older, but he's still awesome, and he's the number one receiver on that team. Now, the real interesting thing right now is that Brashad Perryman is injured, still not, uh, I don't think, practicing, and not slotted in as uh, the number two or three receiver. He is not back you know it's gonna be weeks on the team. Possibly so that means that the number two receiver on the Baltimore Ravens in a Mark Trestman offense where they throw the ball all the time is Kamar Aiken. And Kamar Aiken was really good when he played and I think Kamar Aiken is a guy that is under the radar more than anybody else maybe that we've talked about recently. He's a guy that you can pick up, start in this first couple weeks while Brashad uh, Perryman's not there, and then maybe even after he comes back but then people will know his name. Aiken is a guy who could end up being uh, you know, one of those amazing Victor Cruz-type uh, pickups from people uh, towards the beginning or the middle of the season when their stats start registering in people's heads. Yeah. Because uh, one week might be a fluke, but uh, second week is when you drop some of your WR4s for guys that were flyers before. And the third week is a trend, and
0: everyone else has already put in a claim for him.
1: Yep, so I, I would just like to say that right now, that I think Aiken is a guy that everyone should pick up. If they're in a deep league, etc., grab him up from the wire. I think it's a good choice. Um, and then the Broncos are pretty much the same team, except Sanders said specifically he's going to get less passes, he's going to play slot more. Um, and then C.J. Anderson is the number one guy. They drop Monty Ball. They only have Ronnie Hillman. But I'm still a little skeptical about C.J. Anderson being the number one running back for the entire year. Because even last year, it wasn't really the case. He stepped into a role, fit it well. But does that mean that they're not going to play Ronnie Hillman for, as a third down back and, and get a lot of those C.J. Anderson touches right. uh, away? I mean, you it doesn't mean that.
0: No, there's going
1: to be so much C.J. Anderson. Um, and so I, I think that it's another team that you can grab almost anybody on because of how, how good the offense will produce. Uh, although I must say that my favorite player on the team is Demarius Thomas. I do have sort of an affinity in my in my heart and mind for Owen Daniels, who is a guy that I think Peyton Manning will really start a good relationship with because he, as much as people don't want to believe it, is getting older.
0: Peyton Manning is.
1: And tight ends are no. Tight ends are the, are the are the sort of safety gloves for for those guys. So I think Sanders will get a ton of passes but less touchdowns. I think. Owen Daniels will get a whole bunch of passes. Um but he's not a red zone guy. So, yeah. uh, I think you'll see your regular uh Demarius Thomas touchdowns not really changing too much. And I also think Peyton Manning misses Eric Decker.
0: Interesting. Hmm. I mean, you are probably right. He was a great talent, but Emmanuel Sanders filled that role pretty well.
1: But that he's not filling, not that, filling role. that role, but It's a different role.
0: Yeah. There's too many like thousand yard receiver roles on that team yeah they're not uh, all being filled right
1: there's only one left if you want to take that uh reins on that
0: what is the last game i'm not sure i don't see it listed
1: it's the saints versus the cardinals
0: oh we did talk a lot about this game earlier already um so uh, a couple of guys we didn't talk about are brandon coleman who's going to be starting opposite of cooks right right is it brandon and brandon spelled two different ways have we found another team
1: with two wide receivers with the same damn name? Coleman's the number three guy right now because there is still... Uh, okay, that, we've been saved from that at least. There's still that other guy on the Saints. Yeah. Do you remember him? Marquise Colston. Yeah, so he's still there. But Coleman you're, could... You're breaking this trend, though. Coleman is a is a big dude, and uh, the Saints don't have a whole lot of guys to throw to. So I, I think... He's going to real quickly become a, a target of breeze.
0: Well, you know, the best part about this game, I guess, would be uh, Brandon and Brandon and then Brown and Brown on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've also got CJ Spiller, who's not going to be playing this week. He's out. Uh, but. Well, the, the report
1: is he's out. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: You know, as always, wait, you know, pay attention on Sunday morning, you know, for the real starting news because they have to officially announce that at about uh, an hour and 15 minutes before the game starts. I believe is the requirement. Uh, John Brown, we talked about a lot. Uh, Jaron Brown, do you think that he'll be more of just a flyer this year? Um, or do you think he'll be somebody who can s- kind of step up into the number three role?
1: Arian's offense, they pass the ball around a lot. I think it'll be another one of those teams where uh, everybody is fantasy relevant at any time. And it's just going to be uh, the hard job will be deciding which games, you know, each person is relevant. So you are gonna have to look at, at matchups, I think. But Jerron Brown had really good stats last year. Not quite as good as John Brown, but both of them are 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 very uh, explosive players. Yeah, and that's what the Arizona offense looks like. It's this old, you know, uh, ball old field general. Yeah, because Carson Palmer's throwing it around, General Palmer.
0: Hey, it's going to work for them this year, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't much like their running backs though. Ellington uh, seems to break down a lot as far as injuries are concerned. Yeah,
0: I don't like see Chris Johnson.
1: And Arians doesn't like uh, Ellington and wants to replace him. Chris Johnson is just a guy they've got for a backup, but he could push a little bit of the pushes or touches from Ellington. And then David Johnson is a guy who's basically just a bigger and faster Ellington, but he's a rookie, so he's not going to immediately step in there and take his rollover, which means it's another committee, and you probably shouldn't play anybody on it.
0: Another committee. <laughs> uh Oh, I'm out of beer. It's time to get more beer. Well, time to end the show for tonight, I suppose. So next week we'll uh, have a whole week under our belt. We'll talk about what happened, uh, about all the surprises that we never could have predicted, um, and then talk about what's coming up for week two, right?
1: That's right. So we were Drink Five. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you're listening, um, again, not live then please do catch us next time on Tuesday nights at nine. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to the website, drink5.com and just hit contact, or you can email us directly at david 5com and jason at drink5.com. Good night, everybody.